shining a light on podcasts and videos that have caught our attention. The Spotlight with Jen Spiker. Weekdays on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Well, it's my pleasure to introduce to you my guest and co-host today, and that is James Schlusner. Hello, James. Hello, how are you? Good. I should say Pastor James. Oh, just James. Just James? Yeah, I like just James. Just James? Okay. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll be informal uh, here. Now, um, James, I was nearly going to say Pastor James there. (laughs) Uh, James is the founder of a thing called The Collective, which we'll figure out what that is uh, uh, along the way. But um, let's paint some high-level details here, James. Yes. Uh, Married? Yes. Married to Larissa Schlusner. Yep. Uh, She's my younger wife. She's um, 33. I I only have one, but uh, she's younger. (laughs) Very good. And um, Kids? Three kids. Um. London, my daughter, she's our first. She's London. 10. London. That's an unusual name. Yes, What's the story with that? There is no story. Um, we like the name. It means fortified city. Okay. Um, London's just, she's beautiful. She's 10. Um, Jagger, my second, he's eight years old. And, and is there a story with that? Because that's, that's no, an unusual no name. No story at all. Okay. We just, you know, moves like Jagger. Um, <laughs> it literally just, just like the name. And uh, our third, Valentine. Um, he's another a boy, great name. another great name. Thank you. You can thank my wife for the great name. Okay, she's, she's very cool. Okay, <laughs> and and, uh, and I believe there's a there's a four legged friend in the and there as is. Well. We the kids have been asking us for a dog for over six years since my youngest could talk, and, and you I've caved. Said no, 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 because it's too much effort. <laughs> but finally caved yet, and we have an old English sheepdog, Wally. And he's about three or four months old now. Uh, a young old English. Yes. Oh, young so that, that's, old, yes. that's like the, the dog and the Dulux Yes, can, that's right? right. Yeah. Very beautiful, very wow. hairy. But you know what? They don't drop hair. They don't. Which is okay. very important for me getting a dog. Okay. Well, I can imagine the four months old probably chewing everything up. Oh, he's chewing everything, <laughs> including our kids. Uh, <laughs> no, the pets are great. Kids are great. They're a blessing from God. And I'm looking forward to spending some time with you this morning. Me and uh, you get to lead us in communion in a little while. And we'll, Can't wait. We'll hear your your story as well. Uh, but in a, in a real nutshell here, the collective, What what is that? We are a collective of diverse um, spaces with one mission, and that is to uh, live, love, and serve people just like Jesus did. Mm. So those spaces have been various different things over the years. Some have been um, like modern churches, some have been cafes, some have been studios. Um, And at the moment, we have um, predominantly cafes, which um, just operate as non-profits that just want to let people know about the love and the grace of Jesus and teach people to live like he lived. Mm. Um, and that's what the collective is. What a great <laughs> environment to do it in, you know, oh, casual, over a tea yep. or a coffee. Oh, well, food is, don't even get me started on food, but very spiritual. Mm. All the good things happen over a table. Yeah, well, communion is, is right there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they were sharing a meal, the, the last supper. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what a significant thing happened around that table. So powerful. Yeah. I've got a whole message on a table, but we won't go there today. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very different idea. People think mm-hmm. of church as, you know, it's a building and you mm-hmm. have a, a format. You know, people turn up, they're there for an hour or two hours. There's mm. uh, some music or a band. There's some preaching, that sort of thing. 
coffee shop's a whole different thing. Very different. But you've combined these two things together somehow. Yeah. How does it how does it actually work in practice? Like if I mm-hmm. came into your coffee shop, yep. what well, happens? Well, you would come into your, our coffee shop just like any coffee shop. You want a good cup of coffee. You, you want some good food, and we would give you that. Um, but all of our staff are trained, and we're Christian, and we have a mission. And it's to love you like Jesus would love you. So the way we listen to your order, the way we talk to you just over that simple two-minute interaction is just just as if we were Jesus or as if you were Jesus and we were loving you like that. And then, um, you know, we, we talk about the space and um, the first time someone comes in, it's just it's, it's gentle, you know, formalities. How you doing? How's your day? And then the second time they come in, so like, it's always the question, so what is this space? You know, like, what is this place? You know, because they, they go on Instagram or our website and they see it's a church organization. And then you start telling them, well, we're a nonprofit, we're, we're a church, and we just want to let everyone know that God loves them and forgives them and that we can live like him and make the world a better place. And mm. that's what we exist for. And then they're intrigued. And then from there, um, we have communion every Wednesday at 1130. That would be our- In the coffee shop. In the coffee shop while we're open. Right. Um, that's probably the most powerful communion I've ever been a part of. Wow. Is to do communion publicly is so powerful. Like You, you know when Paul says, um, every time you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes? Mm. I'd only ever done communion with Christians all around me. So the proclamation's not that powerful. You know, you turn a light on or a torch on in a lit up room, it's not that bright. But I started doing communion in a public place and the way people respond it is amazing. Mm. Everyone's got questions. Everyone's like, what was that? So we do that 11.30. That's the next step. And then we help get people connected to mainstream churches if they want to, Sunday services, or people just get involved with our community, help out at our op shop or come in every day. Um, and then we've got discipleship groups. and Wow. Talk about marketplace ministry. <laughs> it is. It is straight marketplace ministry. Yeah. That's so good. So yeah. we're going to do communion together very mm-hmm. soon. And I love what you just said there. You turn on to, turn on a torch in a brightly lit room. It's not that bright, mm. but if you go into a dark place and turn the torch on, it's, everybody sees it. Mm. That's so good. But the importance of communion. How? Why is it so important that we do this regularly? And how do we best prepare ourselves for it? I love. I love communion. It's the central meal of our faith. It's um. It's what Jesus told us to do. It's so powerful. Um. Two questions there. Um, let's touch on the second one. How do you prepare your heart? I love what Paul said. He said, many of you have fallen asleep. Um, you know, Christians that call themselves Christians but no longer living the Christian life because they weren't taking communion properly. And what they were doing is they were all coming along and they were just, they were willy-nilly about it, right? Like, what a silly word. I can't even believe I used that. But they didn't really take it seriously. Yeah. They didn't stop and think and remember and they didn't include others. There was segregation going on. There was, I'm going to eat and drink over here, and people getting left out. And communion didn't bring the people together. It, it, it kept them apart. And there was no time to remember Jesus and what he did. And I think every time we take communion, every time I personally take communion, I really take a moment to step out of my mind, you know, my day-to-day routine, and actually put myself at the feet of Jesus again and, okay, I bring all of my stuff, right? Instead of like avoiding my dark 
sin and shame or whatever and coming to God like, yeah, communion time, let's do this, or holy me taking, it's like the opposite. No, my brokenness, my sin, my shame, my guilt, that's when I bring it. And then I prepare, I'm like, I, I, like what Paul says, he goes, we look at ourselves and then we bring that to God and we let his blood and his body Mm. wash away our sin, our shame, our guilt. And I reckon that's the best way to prepare is to be honest with yourself. Where am I really at? What's really going on? How am I really feeling? And bring that to God. Mm. And for me, that is the best way to prepare. Don't worry about psyching yourself up for communion. Do the opposite, you know. I think you've just answered the first question with the second one as well. Why is it important we do this? Well, you've got to be doing that regularly, right? Yeah, well, I mean, look, we've got to be doing it daily, right? Like Jesus said to do things like this daily. Um, But you do, you've... You've you've just got to live that open, honest life before God, um, and communion does that, right? It's so ground, it's so grounding, like so. Yeah, I think that's why it's important because we can forget, right, how good God is. I don't know about you, but it doesn't take me long to forget how good God is. No, we're very quick forgetters oh, at, at times, aren't we? Honestly, man. Even by the time I finished this show, start driving home in 15 minutes of traffic, I would have forgotten, <laughs> right? And it's it's that remembrance. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, we are going to take communion very soon. So now's a good time to get prepared for that. Sunday morning together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, it says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So why don't we take a moment and as Jesus did, let's give thanks for the food and the elements and for what he has done. Gracious and loving God, we gather before you in awe and gratitude for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, whose body was broken for us and whose blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. As we come to partake In this Holy Communion, we open our hearts in thanksgiving for the profound mystery of your presence among us. We thank you, Lord, for the bread that symbolizes the body of Christ, broken for our salvation. May this bread be a reminder of the sacrifice made on the cross, a sacrifice that brings us redemption and the promise of eternal life. As we receive this bread, May we be strengthened in our faith, bound together as one body in Christ. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the cup that represents the precious blood of our Savior poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. May this cup be a symbol of the new covenant, a covenant of grace and a reconciliation. As we drink from this cup, may we be reminded of the depth of your love and the unity we share as members of of your family. So right now, if you want to take the bread and we'll take a moment 
And as you take that bread, we'll pray and we'll thank him. Right now, we take the bread and we eat. Thank you, Jesus, for your body, which was broken for us, for me, forever grateful. Thank you, Jesus. And if you want to take the cup, and as we drink the cup, we will remember and we will pray. We can drink the cup together. Father, thank you for your blood that carried your life. And we take your life into our life right now as we drink from the cup. In Jesus' name, amen. And if I can finish with this one thought. As the grain once scattered in the fields and the grapes once dispersed on the hillside, are now united on this table in bread and wine. So, Lord, may your whole church soon be gathered together from the corners of the earth into your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Sunday morning together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. My guest and co-host today is a pastor of a different kind of church. It's... Church meets coffee shop. We'll find out some more about that very soon. Pastor James Schlusner. But uh, let's get into a little storytelling here this morning. James, where did it all begin? Where were you born? And if you're game enough to say when. Yeah, okay. I was born in 1983, just turned 40 in August this year. You don't look old enough to be No, I am the youngest 40-year-old I know. (laughs) (laughs) My my wife keeps me young. I was thinking before when I, I learned that you've been pastoring for 20 years, I thought you must have started when you were nine. I, but, yeah, uh, literally. So I started when I was 20. Okay. Um, so anyway, I was born on the Sunshine Coast in Nambour okay. um, in the exact same room my father was born. Oh, how believe special. Believe it or not. So, That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And then uh, when I was three, my parents moved to Melbourne, or we went to Melbourne for a holiday, Um and stayed there for 12 years. <laughs> That's so, a holiday. Yeah. So I did most of my schooling down in Melbourne. Um, came back up for grade 10. Um, and then was on the Sunshine Coast, moved back to the Sunny Coast. And that was like a dream. When you grow up in Melbourne, to like move to the Sunny Coast in mm. Queensland, that's like a dream come true, right? So moved there, started surfing and bought Hawaiian shirts and board shorts and um, realized that I was the only geek that wore that stuff. So then I quickly just realized, <laughs> just just be normal. <laughs> so, um, yeah, went to um, Suncoast Christian College, which was COC back then. Right. And uh, it was amazing. Great school, great people. So um, born into a Christian family? Yeah, my parents both got saved like six months before I was born. Right. Um, Good timing. J- just before they got married. Yeah, literally amazing. And um, my parents were fresh. They were fresh off the boat. You know, like um, we were, um, they loved YWAM and involved with that kind of stuff. We, we, I've been to like 20 different churches in my life. Like, so, you know, it was very cool. It was like, I, I didn't have like a weird sort of religious parent sort of upbringing. They were very free, you know, like working it out and like, just loving God, and it, it did something good in me. Um, so, yeah, that, that was my parents, um, lots of different churches, denominations, styles of church. Mm. And then at the sunny coast, we went to a great church called Harvest, Harvest Church, and I became the youth pastor there when I was 20 after doing Bible college and my hairdressing apprenticeship. Loved that. Um, what an honor to lead people to Jesus and, and be a pastor. And 
I couldn't believe they paid me. Like, I was like, I'm getting paid to do this? That's like, pretty young to be a youth pastor, though. I mean, 20, 20 years old, you're barely older than those you're leading. Look, honestly, and if we've got only 21-year-old youth pastors listening, I'm sorry for what I'm going to say, but I cannot believe that I had that kind of position at 21. Um, you know, they say your frontal cortex doesn't even stop developing as a male till you're 25. So I couldn't even cognitively process properly. And the things I did, like I mistreated people, like I got it wrong, so wrong. But God in his kindness, right, blessed it. And it mm. grew when we saw people get saved. And that grew to about 350 people. And wow, it's just, a big group. It was amazing. It was like, it was, it was one of the best in Australia, for, you know, back then. Um, you know, youth groups used to be really cool. They're, they're not as popular though at the moment for some reason. I don't know what's going on in Australia, but. Youth ministry is not as pumping as it once was. It's something we can talk about another day. Mm. But yeah, we did that. And then um, me and my wife just felt called to start a church here in Brisbane, um, which is where um, we're from. Um, so we moved to Brisbane and started a church called The Collective. And um, that was great. We grew quickly. Um, but over and over again, me and my wife felt that God was calling us to do something different. Mm. And after seven years of doing this church plant, and we ended up probably planting it two or three times, <laughs> um, we realized that- it wasn't hard enough the first time. Yeah, like it was. it is hard. I would just, if anyone's thinking of planting a church, oh my gosh, unless God tells you to do it, do not do it. Because it <laughs> it's will It's character kill you. developing. It is. Yeah. It is so hard. Um, you know, and so we, we did that. And then after seven years, we were like, we just need to do what God's told us to do. And at the very start, when we were still on the Sunshine Coast praying about it, we, we heard clearly, God wants us to start a cafe that's a church. But when I told my friends that, they're like, looking at me weird. You know, when I told pastors about that, they're like, looking at me weird. And I, I was looking at myself weird. like Because it's two separate things, right? It's not yeah, unusual no. that a church might have a cafe. Yes, that's right. Uh, or it, the church might do some sort of cafe outreach or something. Yeah. But you're actually saying bring these two things together. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm saying the, the, the cafe is a church. And people are like, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, oh, I know. I, I know that we're not supposed to, but I'm like, there is staff gathering every day that are Christians. You know, when two or three gather, he is there. We've got a mission to reach people. And then as you reach people, obviously the church grows. But it's just, it's moving away from, I think at the moment what we do is is we don't like plant churches. What we do is we launch churches, you know? So we sort of get this idea and we, we start with like a hundred other Christians from other churches. But I guess we were going back to this idea. It's just like Jesus came with no one and he's like, hey, you two, <laughs> why don't you come follow me? And it sort of started grassroots. And I think you build something different when it's grassroots like that. And that's what we felt called to do. And we felt like, well, where do Aussies go, right? To cafes. I, I love cafes. I love coffee. So let's start a cafe because that's the that's where we're going to meet people and let's just call them to follow Jesus. Mm. I'm curious, actually, you see those bracelets sometimes, James, <laughs> um, WWJD. Yeah. I'm sure in the coffee context, it's what would Jesus drink? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great what question. Do you, what do you think? What, what, uh, what coffee would he order? Well, I think he'd go straight for the heavies. It would be wine and communion. 
Um, at the coffee shop? Yeah, I think he'd be okay. like, have, have you got something a bit heavier? Like, <laughs> Well, you mentioned earlier on that uh, you actually have communion in the coffee shop. We do. Wednesday yep. mornings? Yep, at 11.30. Um, and this is a, this is like a public setting. So. Yeah, this is public. This is like there's like ten, twenty people sitting down having coffee, toasties, and then we have communion. It's on our Instagram, it's on our website. We promote it so everyone knows it's on. And then if anyone wants to come, they just come along, and we just say, "Come sit, sit at the table." The table's set. I'm there, and people just walk in. They like they, it's it blows me away every time. They walk in and they go, "Oh, I'm I'm here for communion." I'm like, amazing. Come join us and. Mm. It's it's amazing. Um, like this this one lady, uh, if I can tell a story quickly, am I allowed to? Go for it. She um, came in for coffee about two months ago, had her earphones in, and sitting by herself in the corner next to the window. And I did what I do all the time. I don't I don't let people just sit in our cafe. I just walk straight up to her and I, I, I get down in her space. I'm like, hey, like, what you want? What you doing? Like, what you listening to? And she takes the earphones out. And, um, you know, we just, just have a small, small talk and you know, how you doing? Like, what you, what's happened? Just small talk. Anyway, I didn't know anything was going on behind the scenes. She comes back, um, to communion a week later. I'm like, oh, how are you? Like, what's going on? You, you, she's like, yeah, I'm here for communion today. I'm like, oh, amazing. And then we're, we're having communion we take it and we say the prayers and one of the local Anglican priest is down and he, he, he takes us through, uh, through communion and at the end we're talking and I'm like oh so you know what what brought you to communion today she goes well when I was in the other day and I was just sitting down on my headphones and then you just got down and you didn't let me listen to my headphones and you rudely interrupted me <laughs> I was like what's going on here what's going on with this space and so I jumped on your website and then I found out you're a church and she says, now, I gave my life to Jesus three years ago, she says, but I've never been to a church. And she goes, I've been praying for a church. And then this, I just happened to find it. And then we're sitting there. And then I was able to say, well, guess what? You finally found a church where you fit. And she said that she tried to go to some other churches and, and, she, and, and she didn't fit in them. And I was like, very curious. I'm like, I was like, so why? Like, what was, what was that? And she goes, well... I couldn't find what I was looking for. And I was like, well, what were you looking for? She goes, I just wanted to connect with the Holy Spirit. And I was like, wow. And so that that that, that moment of communion, and now she comes back every week. She brings her son. She just brought her husband last week. And it's amazing. Now she volunteers in our op shop. That's just one story of how a cafe mm. running communion and being a church, inverted commas, because some people don't like me calling it a church. And that's fine. I don't even... You know, don't even call it a church. I don't even care what we call it. I'm just trying to. I'm just someone trying to be like Jesus and preach the gospel and have communion and whatever you want to call it, call it that. Mm. Well, ultimately, the church is the body of believers. Well, that's right. Yeah, that we come together in all sorts of different forms. Yes. And I guess the the moral of the story here is this lady probably would never have walked into the door mm. of a, a church. Yeah. Certainly not on a you know a Monday or a Wednesday that it's open and yeah. you know. Uh, so she was able to connect with God yeah. through that. So let's just backtrack a little bit. This is what mm-hmm. you're doing today. But the yep. story of actually getting to this point has taken uh, a few different twists and turns, yeah. hasn't it? It, it has. So um, we started the church um, about eight or nine years now, in 2015. So what are we at, like? 
23 now. 23, so, uh, yeah. Eight years ago. Eight years ago, we started the church, and um, we came out of a very modern, um, you know, Pentecostal, Hillsong-style church, which I think a lot of modern churches sort of aspired to, right? Mm. Um, maybe not so much anymore, but they did for a solid 20 years there. And it came out of that, and we, we felt called to do this thing that's a bit different, open every day, sort of cafe that's church. But because all I knew was modern church, I just defaulted back to it. Get a good band this Sunday, rah, rah. And, and we grew quickly to about 200 people. And me and my wife were like, no, this is well, one Sunday. We're literally sitting there, great Sunday. It, it wasn't like it was a bad Sunday, you know, like when no one turns up. It's a great Sunday. And we turned to one another and we're like, this is not our church. This is not what God wants us to be doing. So we shut it down and we go to this dungy school hall and we're like, let's just be Jesus here. It was at a park and there was lots of homeless used to sleep around the park. And we would actually have to have a team of people scouring the park for needles before church because that was the kind of group. I'm like, that's the kind of, that's where we want to do church, right? Mm. So we, we did that. But same thing, I just defaulted again to doing what I knew. The formula. The formula, the band, the songs, the announcements, the offering, and not even communion every time. Like, can you believe that? Like, I'm running a church, and we're not even having communion every time. Like, that's how far down the formula I had gone. I thought we could gather as a church and not do communion. Like, that's that's crazy. Anyway, so we did it over and over again. We did it three or four times, this same process. But each time we did it, we had this other thing alongside of it that was open every day. And me and my wife loved it. So when we first started the church, we opened a barbershop. Because you're a hairdresser. Because I'm a hairdresser by trade. Uh, I've got that. Um, which I think is so important for anyone in ministry. You need to have some sort of mm. trade. Well, Paul right? did that. Paul did it. Tent maker. Hello. I think it's so important. So then you're not burdening the people, you know, asking for money. Anyway, so doing that, and it was so good. I'm paying my bills through earning my own income. I'm reaching people for Jesus, telling them about church. So good. And we loved that. And then the next place that we moved to, we had a studio, which was kind of like where we did film and ran a bit of a marketing agency. And, and we were spending time with people. And that was at James Street in the Valley. So it was a different group. It was like the, the, the creatives. And we, spent, we got right involved in that community. And it was great during the week. But every time the Sunday was like this burden, which it shouldn't be, right? Not... And it's not for every pastor, but it was for us for some reason. So I just I started listening to this burden. So eventually we grew our church to seven people, <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, that's depressing. <laughs> you, you grew it down to yeah, seven people. Yeah, we grew it down to seven people, yeah. And then it was like, okay, we either shut this thing down or we do what God told us to do and we yep. open a cafe. So we were like, well, we're not shutting it down because we haven't even done what God asked us to do yet. So we got our all, all the money left that church had, which was about two or $3,000 left, and all of our personal money, and we're like, let's go rent a building, right? So we just we put it all in. We rented a building down at East Brisbane, and we rented it because I was like, this will be a good cafe. So we opened a cafe, and there was also enough room to have a Sunday service there and also a kid's church. So I could do both. I could mm. do cafe that's a church, church, but still do this modern mm. church. So we did it, worked well over COVID, we quadrupled. It was incredible. Like 
and not not quadrupled from seven people to like thirty. Because <laughs> yeah. we started to grow in this season, right? And yeah. so we we quickly grew back to like a strong church, about one hundred and fifty, maybe two hundred members. And um, the more we did that, I was sensing again. The Sunday service is not what God's asking us to do, me and Larissa. God's asking us to do a cafe that's a church. And so a friend of mine, oh, I didn't even know him, then calls me up. He's moving back from Japan to start a church called Future Church. Um, it's uh, up in Brisbane. So I'm like, he gives me a call. I've never met this guy before. He goes, I'm thinking of starting a church in Brisbane. I'm like, well, mate, why don't you just have my church? That's the first thing I say to him. <laughs> he laughs because he's like, who, who says that, right? Um, anyway, so he comes and I'm like, mate, have it. They're givers. It's healthy. They're tithing. You don't need to worry. Here's a hundred people. Just start a church, bro. It's a great team. So I just give it to him. Um, and then we step out in faith and we have, we had just one standalone cafe and we work with other churches to help them do cafes, but that's different. That's just kind of like what we do to help other churches do it. So we start this cafe in Barton called Eden and it was just a standalone cafe no service and we stepped off the boat in faith and so like when you're on a cafe at a church you're not talking to each member about tithing mm. right so all of a sudden the, sh- the financial structure had to change so we step out and you wouldn't believe it but someone reaches out to us and gives us $250,000 wow I couldn't believe it wow I, I out of nowhere. Yeah. Hey, we've heard what you're doing. We we want to give you money. So that helps us get up and going and trial some things and and get it going. And now the aim for these is to move to self-sustainability where, because I'm, I believe in tithing. Um, I think it's an important biblical um, principle. Principle. Absolutely. But when someone's first getting saved, it's not the first thing I'm telling them about what Jesus said, right? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Because, so yeah, anyway. We now need to move to self-sustainability, and that's where we're at right now. How can we build the cafe? Yeah, quite a journey. I mean, you sound to me like someone who holds things pretty loosely, Yeah, willing to let go and move after what God's called Mm. you to do. A lot of people struggle with that, I reckon, particularly Mm. when you're crafting something and building it and it's your baby. How have you processed that? Is it just something that comes naturally to you? No, it... it, um it evokes every insecurity I have. Um, it is not an easy thing to do. Um, and, you know, I'm going to touch on this later, but it really just comes down to that secret place with Jesus where you have to deal with stuff. Because mm. um, for me, it's it's like, you know, I'm a real black and white person. I'm either going to do this or I'm going to be disobedient, <laughs> right? And so for me, um, I really deal with it. The first thing I have to do is like ask myself, is this really what God, or at least what I feel God is saying? Like, can I tick that box 100%? I feel this is what God is saying. And if I can tick that box, well, then the obedience is easy. But I reckon why most people don't be obedient is because they can't really tick the box of, I 100% feel this is what God wants me to do. Mm. Um, Because that's pretty hard, right? That is hard because how do we even know what God's voice sounds like? It's mystical. It's always been mystical, right? Um, And we can get glimpses or inklings, but really that's the life following the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And it is risk. And I guess I'm I'm okay with failure. Um, So that helps as well. I think most of us don't ever do things because... 
of appearances, mm. right? We don't want to appear like failures or we've messed it up. We don't like failure. No, we don't. And also, we don't like people thinking that um, we're not good Christians, right? Like, if I do something for God, inverted commas, and then fail, everyone's going to be like, oh, he's obviously not hearing from God. Like, what's mm. that say about me? Mm. And so it's that you've got to move away from caring about what people think about your relationship with God, which I am talking about this later in a message, but that for me is the key to how you deal with it. It's just got to be about you and God. It's dealing with pride, really. It it? is. It really is dealing with pride. And oh my gosh, insecurity is big time. I already deal with enough. Like I continually feel like I'm not good enough, right? And I'm sure many people do, but... No matter what I do, it's always not good enough, right? It's just, it, it's it's right there, always ready to just poke its head up. And, I mean, it's just the hard journey of dealing with your stuff, right? There's no easy way to do it. Um, but I guess if you're following Jesus, well, you just got to deal with it. Yeah. Right? And if you don't, like, maybe maybe you're following a different Jesus because the Jesus of the Bible... He gets you dealing with your stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just change gears here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your your wife. How did you and Larissa meet? Well, I was 26 at the time, um, lonely and desperate like any single 26-year-old youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she walked into the room well, and you, you filled know it what? with goodness and light. Honestly, I was swimming one day um, in my pool and my friend rings me. And so I swim over, I answer the phone and he goes, mate, You've got to meet this girl. Um, her, her name's Larissa. And I thought I knew who he was talking about, this mm-hmm. this girl. And I, I, I wasn't into her. I wasn't attracted to her. I, I thought I knew her. So I was like, no, bro. Like, I don't, I don't need your help, mate. So I hang up the phone and I turn around and I dive back into the pool. And at the bottom of the pool, I feel the Holy Spirit say to me, are you too good to be nice to girls, James? <laughs> I was like, whoa. Okay. So I get back up, go back get the phone I'm like mate hey um yeah let's do it let's do it. I'm, I'm happy let's get a cup of coffee tonight or whatever anyway i'm sitting there um and this girl walks up and it's not who i thought it was mm. it's this glamour confident amazing like i was shooketh <laughs> anyway, you were shook. <laughs> I was shooketh as I shaketh her hand, and um, the rest is history. I was just like, "Who is this girl? I have to get to know her." And she's been one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Yeah, cool story. How long? How long until you got married? After that, uh, well, we dated for nine months, got engaged, um, and her dad—he's a sneaky one. Her dad employed her just before we got engaged, but said you have to stay here for a year. <laughs> so the engagement went for a year she kept working for her dad and so we were together for about two years before we got married nice nice and uh kids what what's that journey been like for you what what has having kids done in you what have you learned about yourself well i've learned i've got more issues i need to deal with um <laughs> you know they really are a mirror of who you are aren't they like um so i've learned that i've just got to keep working on my stuff um that's on, on, you know, on the negative side, on the positive side, wow, have I learned about love. If me as just a frail father giving up my best loves my kids this much, it makes me be like, whoa, 
how much would a holy set-apart father love me? Mm. So obviously, you know, that's your classic, isn't it? The revelation of father's love. But I think, honestly, that would be it. Like, wow, dad, my God, loves me more than I would love my own kids. And I'd die for my own kids, right? Yeah. It changes your perspective when you have kids. It changes everything. Yeah. It's amazing. No matter what they do, for some reason, I just keep loving them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yep. Like, I'm almost proud of them for being naughty because they have the ability to do it. You know, like, it's just it, this weird father love. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, you got three kids. Let's see if I can remember correctly because mm-hmm. you did say the names before London, Jagger, and Valentine. Oh, you're good. There you're we good, go. Phil, yes. Very distinctive names. Yes. Valentine's not born the 14th of February, by any chance? Uh, no, but the 14th of December. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> Close. You got two Valentine's Days in your <laughs> yeah, house. Yeah, we and do. In trouble if you forget both of them. Oh, big time. <laughs> Been great uh, getting to know you a little bit this morning, oh, James. I've, I've loved being here, Phil. Sunday morning together on Vision Christian, Vision Christian Radio. Radio. We've come to that time of the morning where it's uh, about time to receive something good. The best five-minute sermon you'll hear today, and the title of the message is "Let's Keep It a Secret." Thank you, Phil. Uh, well. Um, it's lovely to be here. Thank you to everyone listening. What an honor to bring the word this morning, or whenever you're listening to this, but what an honor to bring you the word. Let's start with prayer, and then we'll dive straight into it. Holy Spirit, uh, no matter where we are right now, we open our hearts to you to receive what it is you want to say to us. Lord, uh, as I open my mouth and we read from your Bible and try to explain your word, Take my futile lips and use them to do some good and to bring some life and some some hope and some light into the world. So we open our hearts to you and we say, speak to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the message is, let's keep it a secret, which sounds like um, the opposite of what we should do, because if we're followers of Jesus, we want to shout it from the rooftops. Um, which we do. We want to shout grace from the rooftops. But the title this morning is Let's Keep It a Secret, and you'll understand in a minute. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24. This comes off the back of uh, Jesus' first sermon, um, famously known as the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. If you don't get anything from what I say this morning, please get this. Just go read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And when you're finished, just go right ahead and read it again. And then just go right ahead and read it again. It's profound and it will change your life. But in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24... Jesus is coming home. It's the finale. It's the conclusion. It's the big powwow at the end. And he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Don't you love that? Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know, all through Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, there's this phrase that Jesus uses over and over again. He's like, don't be like the hypocrites who when they pray, they do it in public. Instead, when you pray, go and do it in secret. 
He says it again about giving. Don't be like the hypocrites who give in public. Instead, when you give, do it in secret. And he's got this 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 terminology that he uses all the time, and it's about keeping it a secret. Now, I don't know about your secret life, but normally I keep the bad things a secret and try and publicize the good things. I mean, isn't that what we do on Instagram? We keep the bad things a secret and we publicize the good things, but Jesus is flipping everything on the head in his kingdom. He's saying, let's keep the good things that you do a secret. You see, Jesus says over and over again, what we do in secret, he will reward us for. I mean, how good is that? Jesus is actually saying, if you do these things in secret, I will reward you. That is amazing. Now, what are those rewards? I don't know. I'm not Jesus, but he says that he will do it. And and he supernaturally rewards us for doing what he says, but doing it in secret. Now, before we move on, we do need to clarify something. Um, To get to heaven later, when you die, you simply need to put your trust and faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and believe that what he did on the cross was enough. You can't earn grace. No amount of secret giving or secret praying will ever get you into heaven. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying that I'll get you into heaven if you secretly pray or secretly give. No, he's saying that your life will stand through all the storms of life. And so if if you want a strong life, if you want to live through everything, I encourage you to do good things in secret. I just renovated a house. We planted some plants and those plants weren't doing anything until spring hit. And then they started to flourish. And I realized that something was happening in secret that I didn't get to see till the right season. And that's the same with doing good things for Jesus in secret. When you do it at the right time, your life will be strong when it needs to be. It'll flourish when it needs to be. It'll be fruitful when it needs to be. So I can finish with a few questions. (laughs) Are you ready to start practicing some things in secret? What is the Holy Spirit prompting you to do? Do you need some more blessing from God? Because he will reward you. Do you do good things to be seen by others or are you happy to do good things just between you and God? And lastly, do you want your life to be stronger? Because if you do, practice the way of Jesus. Let's pray and we'll finish up. Lord, thank you so much for everything you've done. Thank you for showing us a way. God, we thank you for your grace that forgives us freely and you love us freely and we cannot earn it but lord once we have that grace and that power help us to practice the ways of jesus and do what you said in jesus name amen this is sunday morning together across australia on vision christian radio pastor james schlusner thank you so much it's a real challenge keeping things in secret because Mm. like you say we like to fly a flag of all the good stuff that we mm. do and tell everybody about about it. But Jesus said something different. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's challenging. It's probably something that I really find it hard being a pastor, a public person. You want people to see the good things you do. Yeah. And I mean, like, isn't it true that the first place to suffer 
is the secret place um, whenever things are going well. But it's amazing when things are going tough. What's the place that goes well? Mm. It's your secret place. Yeah. So it's that struggle. How can I keep my secret place strong even when things are good? Because imagine what life could look like then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a good picture. Mm. Thank you. Great message. And, and a real challenge too, I know, for uh, a lot of preachers, five minutes. <laughs> um, I did overgo by one minute, so I'm very sorry oh, to everyone. Right. We'll be going back and, you know, uh, just uh, taking notes and holding up scorecards <laughs> to see how you went. No, you did real well. You did really good. Um, now, just to change gears absolutely com- completely here. Yep. What do you like to do in your spare time if you ever find some? Honestly, I love eating. <laughs> okay. I know it's terrible. All right. Anything All right. in particular you like to, like to eat? Honestly, I would go to every different restaurant there is. Any cuisine, anything different. I just love trying new things, going to new restaurants, new cafes. I'm a classic right okay uh, classic millennial that wastes all of his house deposit eating smashed <laughs> avocado that's me uh, i love it i love coffee i love food which is essentially what we do every day but are you, are you up for the the really weird things so if you go to a have you ever been like an asian country or something and they're yes. serving up fried tarantulas or something yes I, look i haven't eaten a fried tarantula um i i don't like it to go too weird you know i'm not that uh, crazy. I like it to be really safe, but like different. Okay. Um, but also, I do like surfing as well. So that's okay. a bit different. Oh. I love getting down to Burley and throwing the longboard out. That's yep. fun. No, it's uh, waves are, are great. They are amazing. One of so the best something things about the made. ocean. Yeah, I agree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There is something about the ocean, isn't there? Yeah. I don't it, know what it is. It's like my mind is clear. Yeah. I, I did hear someone saying, I don't know how true it is, but when you look at the ocean line and there's no limit that's the thing that you're feeling mm. you're feeling this no limit idea because mm. there's no end to what you can see and so i think it does something to you and mm. it's good no it's really good <laughs> i've heard if you want to be closest to all the beaches in australia move to alice springs really wow mm. okay yeah well that's smart isn't it because you are the closest to all, yeah, yeah, to all of them that's I like right. that. and a long way away from any of them <laughs> james if you don't mind i normally get my guests to close things off in leading us in a prayer for Australia. Before we get there, how do you reckon we ought to be praying for our nation, for our leaders and and so mm. on? Well, prayer, I think, well, for me, I'm a real advocate for church unity. I think church unity is the answer for people seeing Jesus clearly. I mean, that's what Jesus says in John 17. So I think we should be praying for church unity just like Jesus did. So now more than ever, we've got to, hundred million different types of churches mm. so that that's i mean that's what i'll pray for this morning mm. and i think when it comes to our leaders absolutely we should be lifting up our leaders if we want our life to be good <laughs> yeah we should pray for them can you lead us absolutely well father we thank you for how good you are and how kind you are and we thank you for your grace and your love that you poured out so freely through jesus christ your son and lord i just pray that all the churches All over Australia, we could come together in unity, that we could find that place in our hearts and be one big, beautiful church that Australia just cannot ignore. Lord, help us to uh, tear down the walls of division and build bridges of unity, Father, and I just thank you for your church. We would be lost without all the good things that the church brings to us. So help us just to follow you and love you and be led by your Holy Spirit and be a big old bright light 
in Australia as the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a great concept, eh? A big old bright light. That's what we need to be. Absolutely, we yeah. do. Thanks for coming and spending some time with us, James. It's been great. Well, I've loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really blown away by everything you guys are doing. Like, wow, it's so powerful. So thank you for having me. Mm, well, thank you for being part of it. And if you'd like to learn some more about what uh, James is doing with The Collective, uh, the website is wherethepeoplegather.com. Yes. That's a great uh, domain there, wherethepeoplegather.com. That's a good one. Or, or you can go collectivechurch.com.au as well. But I like that that one better. Yeah. So thecollectivechurch.com or where the yeah. people gather. They both go to the same place. Yeah, they are okay. Oh, good stuff. Well, you could try them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one after the other and just yes. see if it works. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much, mate. God bless you. And we'll see uh, you again next week. It'll be the, the last Sunday morning together for the year, in fact, next week. Hope you can join us. Until then, God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 